This episode of The Showcase is brought to you by Worldwide Express, your partner with UPS Logistics for the small to medium-sized business. Worldwide Express. Hey guys, welcome back to The Showcase. I'm your host, Paris Jackson, and on today's episode, we just passed up the trade deadline about 28 hours ago, so I'll be giving you my winners, losers, and non-movers on this episode. So whether you're chilling in a traffic zone or you're already home, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. All right, so the very, very first thing I want to do on the very top of this show is shout out my boy, Eric Watley. He predicted the Wiggins trade at the very offset of the season. I've um, been talking about it all year. I didn't see it happening. I didn't see us moving off of D'Lo, as far, the Warriors moving off of D'Lo, but Eric had called it months ago. So shout out my boy. He was more than ready for that trade to go down. Um, and that's where we'll start our show today. I mean, with the trade deadline happening yesterday, we uh, we definitely saw a ton of movement. It looked like 19 out of the 30 teams have made a trade this year. And uh, that's that's pretty normal. All, all the trades usually happen in a flurry right up to the last minute of the deadline. Um, and, you know, one of the biggest trades was that D'Lo for Wiggins trade. And if you look at it at, at base value, I mean, Wiggins and D'Lo pretty much have about the same stats, but they fit into schemes, like basketball schemes, in very different ways. I think they're very different players. Wiggins is probably a better off-the-ball player, whereas D'Lo needs to have his ball, the ball in his hand a little bit more, probably a better shooter overall. Um, you know, defensively, both of them have their have their faults, to say the least. But, you know, I thought this was a, a, a big, big trade um, for both teams. Honestly, Minnesota being able to put Cat and D'Lo together, uh, which has been a long-term goal of theirs and along with the other moves they've made kind of reshape the roster that they currently have i mean they were able to do you know four different trades here move some players around and you know acquire malik beasley juancho hernan gomez um evan turner along with Delo, and you know some other players that they got jacob evans amari spellman like you know twitter i saw on twitter today there was a picture of like all the new teammates and it looked to be about seven people like seven new teammates um which is kind of crazy it's like how do you 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 pretty much starting on you know day one all over again because of the massive massive roster changes and you know, Minnesota's not the only team that did it. I think um, Atlanta made some major changes. Obviously, Golden State over this whole trade period is about negative five if you're looking at a, you know, a net player addition. Um, and then, of course, Philly ended up, you know, doing a lot of trades as well. Those those four teams are probably the teams that made the most moves um, leading up to the trade deadline. And, you know, Minnesota, the, the way that they put this team together – I mean, they're, they're second to last in the West right now. Like, there's no denying it that, you know, they needed something to change on that team for them to go ahead and move forward. And I think them getting rid of the Wiggins contract for the D'Lo contract, albeit pretty much the same, like if you look at it from a, from a number standpoint, you know, D'Lo playing with Cat kind of changes like the locker room a little bit. Um, they're able to do some different schemes and, and, and things like that. I think, 
you know, getting rid of Jordan Bell and Robert Covington. You know, we'll see how that one plays out, um, especially getting rid of, like, Bates Diop and Shabazz Nip. So, like, the Wolves are a completely different team now. Um, granted, like, they're probably not going to make the playoffs this year. I'm, I, you could actually bet against it. The odds are very stacked in, in favor of them not making it. But what this does is allow them to use the back half of the season to see how D'Lo and Cat play off each other and, 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 you know, what kind of scheme that they're looking to put together and really start to move this franchise forward after having been kind of, you know, lackadaisical for the last, you know, 10, 10 years ever since KG left. Um, Kevin Garnett, for, for those that need clarification. Um, so, you know, really exciting trade for the minnesota timberwolves and then just to go on the flip side of course i got to talk about the warriors you guys know this but um you know from the day that Delo was signed like there was a lot of excitement around him i personally I, w- I wasn't very excited but i was um you know aware of the fact that you know we needed to bring in someone big quickly to play with Steph, while Clay was getting rehabbed, Kevin Durant was leaving, we were dealing with Kavon Looney's injuries, like all these injuries are going on, and we needed somebody. So, if you put it in perspective, like for the Warriors organization to take basically Andre Iguodala and Kevin Durant and, you know, like a draft pick. And turn it into what they've gotten, you know, through these multiple trades and sign-in trades and off-season deals. Like, you see that the Warriors have been able to basically turn nothing into a lot of something. And that being that KD was going to leave. Like, there is no doubt in my mind from the beginning of all the drama last year that... Kevin Durant was leaving. That was a definite given. But, like, the thing is, like, we kind of knew D'Angelo Russell was never going to fit in. Like, he he's really good in the high pick and roll. Great. He But he needs his hands on the ball all the time. And he's, like, one of the worst defenders in the league. Like, that doesn't fit in with Warriors basketball. Warriors basketball is, you know, giving up the shot, good shot, to get a great shot. Like, Playing defense, for sure, is one of the staples in those championship-run teams. Like, D'Lo would never fit in. So, like, if you think about it, what the front analysis was able to do with the lack of draft, like, draft picks that we had, they're, <clears throat> they're able to turn that into, like, way more through these KD signing trades and D'Lo signing trades. And that's, like exciting for anybody that's a fan to be able to see that so like it's insane how how much people like don't did not expect this trade and then it finally happened and then you know golden state has the same situation and it's minnesota but are in a much better place like half their team is left like we're literally signing people to like 10-day contracts we're offering two-year deals to people like kai bowman and and marquise chris who i personally i don't think are really going to stay with the team i think they were signed on multi-year deals so as to be a part of a later move but like the warriors front office is playing chess with all these moves and all these signings that they're doing, like I have a lot of confidence that they're actually going to become 
really, really good and be a contender, not for the 2020 season right now, obviously, not even for the 2021 season, which is coming up, but for 2022, they're actually going to be positioned to be a really, really good team. So that's freaking solid. And to even think about it even further, like two weeks ago, before all these trades happened, including the Willie Cauley-Stein trade, including the Alec Burks trade, including the um, GR3 trade, which is the same as the Alec Burks trade, but still, including all those trades, like they went from having one second-round draft pick in the next five years to having literally multiple picks in every round for the next, you know, three drafts, 2020, 2021, and 2022, which is insane to basically go from nothing to so much something so the warriors i think have come out as the biggest winner of all these trades from a longevity outlook like out looking out you know two to five years and making the moves to actually put them in a place to win in the near future not right now but in the near future um especially when steph and clay come back fully and we really run that unit the way we want to. I'm, I'm really excited to see what Wiggins does. The other team, kind of dovetail off that whole sentiment, the other team that I thought that made some really good moves was Atlanta. I think, you know, as, as much as, you know, you can think one way or the other, Atlanta has decided to build around Trey Young, you know, who this season has shown that he's really – just like a kind of like a good stats, bad team type of guy where he's like re- putting up really good stats. That's probably what got him in the All-Star game. You guys heard me talking about him, you know, a couple weeks ago or last week when I was talking about who got into the All-Star game. But Trey Young can definitely put up stats. But now they're start, they have another semi-star there, John Collins, who's starting to emerge, although he's battling some injury. And they were able to turn Jabari Parker and Alex Len into Dwayne Dedman. They also acquired Clint Capella. Like, I think the, the Hawks made a major jump to where now they have a couple of good bigs who want to be there. Dwayne Dedman did not want to be in Sacramento. Clint Capella probably did not want to be in Houston um, and go through another embarrassing playoffs, which... Sorry, Houston, that's going to happen again this year. But um, for them, the Hawks, I mean, like they've made some really good moves. They acquired those draft picks from Sacramento. Like they came out as really good winners with all the trades that they've done. I, I think Atlanta will be a team to watch for the rest of the back half of the season just to kind of see where they end up in the lottery, if they're able to make that playoff push. Um and just see where they continue to like develop their guys, build around Trey Young. I would be, I would not be surprised if they made any moves in the off season um, to, you know, bring in like another forward um, to back up these pieces that they have in play. Like I, I'm really impressed with that at what Atlanta did. And so, um, you know, I think those teams, those three teams, are the major winners of this NBA trade deadline. Um, let's, uh, take a break and we'll come right back. 
All right, and we're back. So <clears throat> you heard me say at the beginning of the pod how there was 19 teams that made moves, made trades. I, I didn't go through every single one of them. I just wanted to talk about the few that I thought were most impactful to the league and longevity and things like that. Um, but as far as like the teams that didn't make a move, I thought there was about seven that didn't really need to um, for various reasons, um, and that's Boston, Indiana, Milwaukee, Toronto, New Orleans, Phoenix, and San Antonio. Like those seven teams, three of them are like pretty young and still trying to figure things out in New Orleans and and Phoenix. I guess it's only two. Um, and then the, there's four out of the top five teams in the Eastern Conference didn't make any trades. And I think that's probably because either what they had is good enough or what they needed to add was probably too expensive. So like Boston, Indiana, Milwaukee, Toronto, like those four teams, I think are in a good place right now, winning a lot of games. Obviously, Milwaukee is number one overall. And it's like, well, what do we need to add when we're so far ahead of everybody else? Um, So like the only team in the top five in the Eastern Conference that made any trades was Miami. And I think that they made some major trades that were that was nice. Um, I don't think they'll be the most impactful for the longevity. But, you know, I, uh, didn't mention them in my last segment, but I thought Miami's trades were very nice. But the rest of those teams in the top five, Boston, Milwaukee, Indiana, Toronto, um, those teams have, have been able to put it together. And then, like, to go a step further than that, like, Toronto and San Antonio and Phoenix, or maybe not Phoenix so much, but Toronto and San Antonio for sure are teams that have really good front offices that are able to find players in like the G League and through the draft and off season like free agency signings like they've been able to prove that they've been able to find players without having to trade or give up assets um in that sense so you know them not making a move I, th- I thought was actually pretty smart I didn't think they had to do that um the other, only other trade or trade free I should say team that was on here that I thought was probably good was Phoenix. So Phoenix has a has a interesting situation in that they have a team that is built on paper to be highly competitive because they have Ricky Rubio, Devin Booker, Kelly Oubre, DeAndre Ayton, um, Baines, all all those other guys. And who, excuse me for whoever I'm forgetting, but the the Suns have been one of those teams to show that they can be competitive. Like at the start of the season, everybody thought they were going to be, you know, a, a top contender, make the playoffs easily. They've, they've definitely faltered, but they have shown that they can be competitive as long as they stay out of injury and they get really good play from, you know, DeAndre Ayton and Ricky Rubio and Devin Booker, like on a regular basis. Of course, Devin Booker, you know, should have been an all-star in my eyes, but whatever. So I don't think they needed to make any trades either. Um, and then the last team that I don't think needed to make any trades kind of for the same reason is New Orleans. So the Pelicans have this like really young unit that's really hungry, like with the guys that they got from the Lakers in the AD trade and the, the four or five guys that they got in the draft and Drew Holiday is playing well. Like they have a team where it's like, hey, we just put Zion back in this. Let's figure it out and, you know, do what we can to kind of lock in what we have and maybe go to the drawing board in the off season after, you know, Zion gets a little bit more under his belt and they're starting to figure it out and they're starting to win games with Zion returning. So 
um, them not making any trades, I think, was actually pretty smart. Um, so that takes care of the seven teams that I thought made no moves, and it probably made sense. The next two, it's probably like, eh, maybe they could have made a move, probably, but it probably wouldn't matter too much. And that's Charlotte and Chicago. Like those two teams, like they're they're so bad that it, it, it doesn't really matter. Like they're not trying to win now. They kind of don't have any assets for the long run either um, to be able to like trade away for something big or to try and like offload what they currently have in efforts to get some better players. So like Charlotte and Chicago, like, you know, they could have made some moves. I understand why they didn't. Like, I'm not mad at that. Um, which leaves us with two teams. The, the last two teams, which I think definitely should have made some moves, are Brooklyn and LA Lakers. So I'll start with Brooklyn. So Brooklyn has KD out and he's coming in only half a season, about like, you know, eight months we'll see him play um, at the start of the be- of next season. Like, so they need to figure out, like, where he fits in and, ha- and how he's going along. But if I remember correctly, like, they have a pretty big war chest of draft picks. I know they got rid of some in getting KD back, but they've also acquired some in different ways. So, like, them... I think they needed to get like another piece and my my like recommendation would be for them to get some type of like forward or an additional guard. I mean, it's it's an interesting situation that they got like Kyrie, Karis LeVert, you know, Spencer Didwitty. That's like a pretty good setup at backcourt. Um and then at the forward position, they'll have Kevin Durant and then you know, as bigs, they have, like, Jared Allen, Joe Harris coming back off an of injury, DeAndre Jordan. Like, I understand probably why they didn't make any trades because it's like, who are we going to give up? What are we going to get back? How is KD going to fit in? But I definitely think they could upgrade either definitely DeAndre Jordan, maybe not so much Jared Allen. I don't know who who as a big like would have made more sense. Maybe if they would have got Capella. I don't want to really do like the what if they got this person type deal because we can go down a rabbit hole for that for hours and I don't want to do that. But like them getting an upgrade to DeAndre Jordan I think would have put them in a much better position to continue this push into the playoffs and then make a push next year to be a real contender in the East once, you know, the league's best scorer is back in the game. Um, So I thought they should have made a trade. The other team I I definitely should have made a trade was the Lakers. And I understand that they were trying to get, um, trying to get Marcus Morris. And I understand that, but like, I think the, the sentiment around the Lakers is that they're definitely missing like one guy to go ahead and put them from being like a top contender into being the favorite to win the championship. And like arguably they pretty much are the favorite already because of how well they've played throughout the season as far as like their ability to win games. Like I remember leading up to like the Christmas game, we were talking about how, you know, the Lakers haven't really played anybody and that's why they are so well. But like now here we are, approaching the all-star break and they're still in the number one spot in the west like um granted they haven't had to deal with any injury which is nice and that could be looming around the corner especially with lebron at his age and ad being so as fragile as he is but like i think the lakers are still missing like one piece whether it be somebody that can 
you know, bolster the defense a little bit or, you know, just some better shooting or just some, like, fresher legs that, you know, won't get us tired towards the end of the season and need, need you know, longer breaks and load management. Like, the Lakers, I feel like, definitely should have made a move um, in this offseason. And it's like, or not in before the trade, trade deadline. So, um, shame on you. Lakers, shame on you, Nets. Both of you guys, I feel like, could have made better decisions and gotten some people. Like, I understand for all 11 teams, really, I can I can see the world where they didn't need to make a trade, and that's fine. Um, but at the same time, like, those two teams, I feel like, definitely should have added one or two more pieces, especially if they want to win now for the Nets next year, but now in the sense of this year, I think the Lakers are still a piece away. Um, and maybe that piece was Marcus Morris. A lot of the news surrounding the trade deadline was basically, it was like a battle for LA between the Clippers and the Lakers about who was going to get Marcus Morris. And eventually, you know, the Clippers are the one that were able to sign it. But uh, yeah, def- that's like my take as far as who the losers are. Not the losers or the non-movers is what I should say. The non-movers on this trade deadline, like, to sum it all up. Uh, Let's take one more break, and then uh, we'll come back and and wrap up the show. All right, so one team that I failed to to talk about at the very beginning, and I just mentioned in that last section, was the Miami Heat. Like, their acquisition of Andre Iguodala and like the other players that they were involved with at, at at this trade deadline, I think was huge. Like especially if Iggy's gonna play. Um, now, like there's the argument that Andre Godala is 36. The last two years he dealt with a lot of injury. Like he's definitely past his prime, and I I for sure agree with all that. But I think offloading Dion Waiters and acquiring Andre Godala for basically nothing in like the cap space that they led to was like a huge win for them um so you know i was high on miami before it's kind of like a sleeper team in the eastern conference and i definitely think they take the cake as team that most improved over the trade deadline at least in the here and now like for this season so it'll be very interesting to see what they do um you know the rest of the season as they they start putting all these pieces together and then if i had to pick a team that actually like lost the most like both in their chance to win and like players in general i think the sixers really like botched a lot of stuff not botched a lot of stuff but i don't think they got any better i think that they haven't acquired like anything worth noting um like james ennis they traded away but they just traded for him last year who basically turned into nothing like they gave away three picks to the warriors for two players who alec burks has been on like four teams in five years or five teams in six years like he's moved around glenn robinson the third like the jury's still out on him like at the beginning of the season didn't like him too much as he progressed through the season he started scoring more but we don't really have options so um and he may potentially come back because he's only on like a one-year deal come back to the warriors i mean and the sixers will be out i think both these players are probably not on the team next year and then they just gave away a bunch of picks while still not making the team any better like the the sixers moves are just kind of like 
baffling. And it's like, why do you want these players and give away your picks and they're not making you any better? I mean, they, they were able to acquire one pick from the Magic in that James Ennis trade, and then they just flipped it to the Warriors anyway. But still, like, none of the moves that they've made are putting them in a better position. And, like, they're going from a team everyone thought was like one of the top contenders basically a, a double bounce away from potentially going to the nba finals with the you know Kawhi game seven shot last year and they made all these trades and gave away their draft picks and they're in no better position than they were before they haven't added anybody that's really gonna you know benefit to the current system that they have and you know brett brown and the rest of the boys i don't i don't think they got any better through all these trades i think they actually got a lot worse and sacrificed the future um which is funny because they kind of coined the whole you know like trust the process thing like stick to draft picks stick to you know finding guys in the g league and you know, you're going to suck for a while before you get better, but a lot of people were expecting them to make, like, a really good run. So, with all that being said, like, I, 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 I'll leave you with that. The Philadelphia 76ers are the worst team to come out of this trade deadline. I think Miami is in the best place at this trade deadline. I think teams to watch for excitement are, you know, the Hawks, the Warriors, and the Timberwolves. I understand that all three of those teams are some of the worst in the league so obviously they needed the the overhaul the most um but just to sum up everything like this trade deadline was super super fun to watch we're all excited for the all-star game next week and you know i hope you guys took something away from this and in, in my point of view but um no episode next week we're kind of just going to enjoy the all-star game or it might come out a little bit afterwards kind of give you like a recap of that um, but other than that, you know, I hope you guys have a great week. Make sure you watch some basketball. Go ahead and follow at PJ Showcase on Instagram. Please rate and review this this podcast episode so we can get to more people. And um, have a great day.